Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Realm Presents Bullet Catcher, Season 3, Episode 10. Trust. It's been several days since the last attack on Watertown. It's given Knack and Rainer time to reorganize the townspeople, make new traps, and bury the dead. Knack wakes early, before dawn. These days he hardly sleeps, and when he does, it's a shallow, restless thing that barely feels like the genuine article. The last thing he remembers before waking is an explosion, screams, fire. And then he's sitting up in bed, his face and hands clammy with cold sweat. The night watchman walks by his window, throwing the orange light from his lantern across the bed, casting Nack's own deep black shadow against the far wall and making his heart stick in his throat. He shakes himself awake and goes to wash his face. Somewhere, a rooster crows. Another night without an attack. Another night closer to Emma returning. It's a cold, early morning. The mist hangs low over the town. Rainer oversees the arming and training of the townspeople. There aren't enough guns to go around, but there are pitchforks, hoes, and axes. They've collected everything that could be used as a weapon in one of the storehouses for safekeeping. Rainer has taught a few of the farmers how to use the farming equipment as hand-to-hand weapons, and now he watches as that training gets passed along, as the men and women, who just a couple days ago survived their first fight and responded with a mix of fear and determination, come together to look like a well-organized militia. How are they coming along? It's Snack, with a cup of coffee and a hunk of buttered bread. This has been the new normal since Rainer came back. These small peace offerings and the unspoken agreement not to talk about him sending Rainer away in the first place. That conversation can wait, Rainer thinks. First, they have to survive. Everything else is secondary. For now, he's happy enough to accept the small gestures. As good as one could hope, 
Considering most of them have hardly been in so much as a fistfight before all this. It's been three days. Maybe they've decided to leave us be. Rainer frowned at him. I know, I know. Wishful thinking. Nack walks down to the river, where another contingent has been building small rafts to use, in case things look dire and they have to make a quick getaway. Work has been slow. There are only a few actual carpenters in town, and not enough tools or lumber or time. So far, they've completed two rafts, with a third on the way. Maybe enough to hold 20 people altogether. What happens to the rest is a question Nack hopes never to have to answer. Howdy, Sheriff. Nack turns to see a small man, followed by a posse, weaving their way down the planks to the waterfront. His skin is pale, despite spending so many days under the Southland sky. His blondish hair sticks to his forehead with sweat and oil. It's Clarence, the ex-gunslinger. Nack looks at the sky. He doesn't have time for this. Clarence tips his hat when he meets him. Begging your forgiveness, sir, but me and my boys here have a bone to pick. Say it quick. There's work to be done. Clarence puts on a mock look of pity. You're right there, Sheriff. Only, me and the boys were wondering just why we should be taking orders from you anyway. Especially after the other night, when the gunslingers broke through the line and nearly managed to burn this whole place to the ground. Nack squeezes his fists. He arches his neck to look at Clarence's posse. They're a mean-looking crew. Ex-gunslingers, every one of them. And though Nack doesn't know for sure, he reckons it was more the gunslingers not wanting them than the other way around. So what is this? He says. The election committee? Something like that, Clarence says with a sickly smile. I'd be lying if I said I didn't think I'd make a better sheriff than the likes of you. See, I have experience with the gunslingers. Might be that I know how to strike a deal with them. And if push comes to shove, I reckon I'm a bit better in a firefight, too. He rolls back one of his sleeves to show off the line of handprint tattoos running up his arm. Mac eyes them suspiciously. They have to be counterfeit. Despite his drink-gnarled complexion, Clarence can't be older than 30. Too young to have fought in the war. That kind of thing don't mean much in this town, Nack says, still eyeing the tattoos. What's going on down here? It's Rainer, coming down the path. Thank God, Nack thinks. Nothing much, Clarence says, spitting a gob of tobacco on the plank between him and Nack. Just laying out some of my thoughts to the sheriff here. Don't go thinking too much, Clarence. It ain't your strong suit, Rainer says, pushing through the posse to stand beside Nack. For a few moments they stare each other down, but it's Clarence who breaks first. His posse slowly retreats up the slope. I got real leadership potential, Sheriff, Clarence says, backpedaling up the boards. Keep it in mind if things don't go your way. I'm here to lighten your burden. And then he tips his cap, turns, and strolls back into town. That's going to be trouble, Rainer says. No shit, Nack says, trying to keep his anger from showing. But right now, we got so much of it, it's a little more. Dusk draws a dull curtain over the town. People retire to their beds or to their posts. Nack and Rainer hole up in the sheriff's office, a bottle of snake bite on the table between them, each one wanting nothing more than to get drunk and forget about the day, both too sober to make that mistake. 
You think they've found your girlfriend yet? Mac rotates the bottle on the desk, looking through the bright green, semi-transparent glass at the room all around. She's not my girlfriend. We were together for a bit, but I ruined it somehow. You don't know? I have some theories. One day she was just gone. Didn't tell anyone she was leaving, least of all me. I woke up and she wasn't there. I thought she must have gone to see Nico or Cass, or maybe she'd gone down to the river to swim. She'd made her side of the bed. She never did that. Flattened the sheets and fixed the pillow. She was just gone. Nack uncorks the bottle and pours a couple fingers into his glass. But before he can drink it, there comes desperate hammering at the door. Rainer jumps out of his chair so quick it goes clattering to the floor. He opens the door and there's one of the night watch, her face red from running. It's the weapons store, she says. It's on fire! Nack and Rainer rush out into the street. By the time they get there, it's not just the weapons store that's on fire, but also Rado's general store in the town hall. The fire rages, jumping from roof to roof. The townspeople bring the hoses and start spraying the buildings. Nack and Rainer just watch, because they know it's already too late. The weapons, the food, they're all gone. Like a man resigned to his fate, Nack walks calmly back into the sheriff's office, grabs his gun belt, and heads out. Where the hell are you going? Rainer asks. To kill someone. Nack knows just where he'll be has a feeling. He walks down the middle of the street, his gun drawn, while the people all around him swarm to the fire with buckets and hoses. Rainer follows a few steps behind. You don't know it was him for sure, Rainer says. It could have been an accident. It was him. When they approach the edge of town, there are more sounds mixed with the screams and commotion behind them. Horses braying and muffled voices just ahead that they can hear, but not completely parse. The mist has sunk low over the town, prickling Nack's skin with cold. He grips the gun tightly in his hand. They cross out of town, making their way along the road in the direction of the plateau. The road winds around large outcroppings made by the dam when it broke and toppled over the edge of the plateau. The voices are coming from around the next bend, and Nack and Reiner get low, making themselves as quiet as possible. They climb the side of one of the large chunks of concrete and peek over the top. Before them, recognizable by the light of a single lantern, Clarence and a few of the other ex-gunslingers are speaking with a person on a horse. Her long, scythe-like rifle, from the end of which hangs a lantern, gives her away. It's Raziel. Slowly, Knack brings his gun up and levels it at the rider. Raziel holds up her hand. Clarence immediately shuts up, Razio is completely still, listening. Nack doesn't yet have a bead on her and doesn't dare move. Nobody moves. Nobody breathes. But in the end, it's Razio who acts first, swinging the end of her rifle towards the ground, moving the lantern in an orange arc through the air, bursting on the dirt at the feet of the gunslingers below her. The horse rears up and Razio slips off the back. The fire explodes and dies in the dirt, and Nack is left with only the buzzing afterimage before him, like that of a scene briefly illuminated by a camera flash before plunging into darkness. Get down! Rainer screams and throws himself on top of Nack, just as a rifle blast lights up the mist. 
A chunk of concrete inches away from where Nack had lain prone explodes into dust. Get off me, Nack says, struggling away from Rainer. We can take them. You don't understand. You don't know what she's capable of. Rainer tries desperately to pull Nack away and drag him back in the direction of town, but he refuses to budge. And only after a few moments tussling with each other do they both realize, nearly at the same time, that things on the other side of the broken concrete outcropping have gone eerily quiet. They look at each other, fear creeping in. Together, they dare to peek back over the top. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Anna Sheridan, missing for nearly six months now. I need you to find me. The Sheridan Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms. Before them, they see only a black scorch mark on the ground, where the lantern burst, and the shards of glass and twisted frame. There's no sign of Raziel, Clarence, or the other gunslingers. We have to go. Rainer growls through clenched teeth. Right now. And now Nack is in no mood to argue. They leap off the rock and sprint for Watertown. But they make it only a few feet before the rifle sounds. The bullet passes so close to Nack he can feel the heat coming off it before it hits the ground a foot or so in front of them, kicking up dirt. Not another step, Sheriff. In the mist, Raziel's voice sounds like it's coming from all around them joined by Clarence's high-pitched, cackling laugh. Rainer stumbles and falls. Put your hands up and turn around slowly. Rainer picks himself up, his clenched hands raised over his head, his face dirtied from the fall. Nack's gun is still in his hand, but it's as useless as a stone. They turn to face Raziel, who stands with her rifle balanced on her hip, aimed at nothing, daring them to give her an excuse to point it at one of them and pull the trigger. Clarence and the others stand to one side. Clarence spins his gun on his finger like he's just won a duel. Grab their shooters, Raziel demands. Clarence stops spinning his gun and holds it at his waist, pointed vaguely between Nack and Rainer. You come anywhere near me, and I'll kick the living shit out of you, Nack warns. Clarence freezes, and dares a look at Raziel for backup. She doesn't so much as look at him. Y'all throw your guns on the ground, Clarence demands, his voice full of false bravado. You want it? Come and get it. Clarence hesitates, before girding himself for confrontation and pressing forward. He's a few feet away when he passes between them and Raziel, 
Raynor seizes the chance, throwing right into Clarence's face the handful of dirt he picked up when he fell. The startled man stumbles backward. Raynor goes for the gun. Neck lowers his arms and fires off a round of covering fire into the gawking crowd of gunslingers, who scatter behind the rocks. Raynor and Clarence struggle for the gun. There's a boom like thunder and, suddenly, all the life goes out of Clarence's face. His lifeless body slumps against Raynor, who collapses underneath him. Max slaps the hammer of his gun, scattering shots in Raziel's direction. She moves deftly away, her rifle dripping smoke from the end of its long barrel. Nax centers his sights on the gunslinger and pulls the trigger. The gun is empty. It's all the opening Raziel needs. She raises the rifle, drawing the bead on Nack. Rainer struggles to push Clarence's lifeless body off him, prying the gun from his hand and getting off a shot at Raziel that makes her move and reset her aim. By then, Nack is already on top of her. She raises the rifle again as Nack throws his empty shooter at her, hitting her in the arm and forcing her shot wide. He leaps and tackles her. She shifts her weight, rolling onto her back. She catches Nack with the sole of her boot and, turning her rifle sideways and using it like a staff, throws Nack over her shoulders. Nack tumbles to the ground, and when he looks up, there's Raziel, standing over him. She brings the butt of the rifle down sharply, driving his face into the dirt. She spins it around in her arms and presses the muzzle to his cheek. Don't, Rainer cries out. In unison, they look his way. He's finally freed himself from Clarence's body and now stands with his gun pointed directly at Raziel. You pull that trigger, I'll pull mine, she says calmly. Then what say we both take a breath and agree to finish this another day? She stares through Rainer, her face betraying nothing. She presses the muzzle of the gun so hard into Nack's cheek that it makes his teeth ache. Finally, she lowers the gun. Raziel says, Fine. She puts her fingers to her mouth and whistles. Her horse appears from the mist, and she gets up and swings onto the saddle. Rainer keeps his gun trained on her the entire time. The next time we meet, Rainer, you will either return with me to your family, or I will kill you. And then she kicks her horse and disappears back into the mist. Clarence's posse is out there too, somewhere but they wouldn't dare show their faces after what happened tonight. Rainer helps Nack to his feet. Come on, he says. Let's get this body back to town. They get back to Watertown as the last of the flames are being put down. They drag Clarence's body before the blackened frame of the town hall and drop him. There's a black red hole in his back the size of an apple. The sky is dark with smoke and ashes blacken the ground and waft in the cool air. What the hell happened to him? Someone asks. He's the one who set the fire, Nack says. Got shot in the back by his own people. The crowd stares at the lifeless body in the street. Behind them, the wall of Rado's shop groans and collapses in a cloud of ash and embers. Well, he succeeded, someone else says. It's over. What are we supposed to do now? The first light of morning creases and splits the darkness. Neck blinks, as though emerging from some deep slumber into a new and more terrible day than he had ever thought possible. Get some rest, he says to the people of Watertown. That's another night we've lived through. For now, that's the best we got. And then they're back where they started, 
earlier that night, sitting in the sheriff's office, staring at the bottle of snake bite on the table between them. Nack slugs a drink he'd poured hours ago and pours another for him and Rainer. So, just what the hell are we going to do? Rainer asks the glass in his hand. They're right. It's over. There's no food. There aren't enough weapons to go around. Who knows if they found him or not. It was a long night. For now, we'll let them rest, and then we'll make plans to surrender. Rainer nods and throws back the drink. So that's it then. Yeah, that's it. You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 3 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe, produced by Marco Palmieri, and executive produced by Molly Barton, performed by Inez del Castillo, audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith, additional editing by Corey Barton, original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch, cover art by Christine Barcelona. Christine Barcelona.